thanks for being here. And uh, where are you located, actually? First of all, thanks a lot for having me, right? Um, at the moment, I'm in Vienna. Um, very honest, I'm always everywhere. But sometimes in Vienna, sometimes in Germany. I mean, due to COVID, I'm definitely not so much in the US right now. Um, also, yeah. my plan is to be in the US, but at the moment, unfortunately, it's not really possible, right? Yeah, I think it's uh, affecting everybody in some way, shape, or form, uh, especially in travel all over the world. You know, I actually I grew up in Germany partially, so oh, really? um, yeah, I was born there and then I lived there twice, so <clears throat> I'm familiar with that part of the world pretty decently. But uh, um, are you where are you originally from? From Germany, actually. From oh wow! City called, which is called Hanover. It's quite close to Hamburg. It's in the northern part. Yeah. So it's uh, rough weather quite often, but I assume you know it because I don't know where, where you lived in Germany. I was born um, near Rhein-Main Air Force Base, out oh. that way, uh, I think Kitzigan. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I know. And then I, I lived when I was a teenager, um, Firth, Nuremberg area. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I traveled all over Europe and all over Germany. And so I have fond memories. I got to get back to Germany. I, I've been trying to go back, but I had a trip planned and then COVID happened. So yeah, that was it's definitely a pity, but you should definitely come back. I mean, it's always, I think, nice uh, to see yeah. some places where you have been when you were shot, right? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> did you also have the chance to learn a bit of German while you were in Germany? I did. I did. And then like um, after a while, I was like, I'm not using this. So I just didn't speak it anymore. <laughs> and then like, like two years ago, I was like, I should probably like try to like brush up on this if I'm going to go back to Germany. Because I didn't want to be like an American who like was like, I'm not going to learn anything. You know, I'm just going to go there. You know, <laughs> I don't like when Americans do that. I'm like, oh, how about you like learn the language at least a little bit, you know? So I mean, it's definitely comfortable, right? When you speak the language, which is yeah. spoken everywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like German language, actually. I think it's an awesome language. It's not that hard to learn. I don't mm. feel like it's, there's a lot of English type words in there as well. It's so, very true. Um, and it becomes more, right? People, especially young people, are definitely using the English English words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> I look forward to it, but um, I'm interested in what you're doing with Fido Life. Is that what it is? Yes. I, well, one, we got to know what the, what is this and how did you get involved in it? Yeah, I'm really happy to tell you. So starting with Fido Life, um, Fido Life is basically a an app for pregnant women um, and our vision is to uh, combine on the one hand preventative care to make sure that women have less complications have basically a happy healthy pregnancy and to combine this with um yeah, the fun of a of a let's say lifestyle pregnancy app um we have understood that on the one hand pregnant women of course want to do something for their health especially during pregnancy on the other hand um many pregnant women maybe if, even don't find the mean to do it, like don't find, for example, the right app or don't approach the right um, caregiver. Um, and on the other hand, the existing health apps which are out there are just focusing on health and yeah, not really yeah, covering the nice elements of a pregnancy, which are definitely there and which should basically be in the focus, right? Um, right. And I came into this quite some time ago. I'm working at Fetal Life for more than two years. Um, 
was quite interesting how I got there. I was working in consulting for many years, mainly in the healthcare and life science area. And in this context, I somehow got to know my, my co-founder, Aisha. She's OBGYN, so she's the expert in the team when it comes to pregnancy care. She taught me about this problem that um, she said, you know, Julian, many pregnant women, yeah, they don't really know which information um, they should trust. Um, sometimes even the caregivers don't really give them good advice. Um, and also they don't use the say, medical apps, which would help them because it's just not something you are really happy to use when it's not really covering the nice elements of the pregnancy. So our idea was born two years ago. Um, and then we basically took a lot of time to think about how we can actually put this into, into practice, how we can have, develop the right, the right product. Um, and we started yeah, with a medical element. We really spent a lot of time to develop a big database, um, which covers a lot of the complications during pregnancy. And we understand the symptoms of the pregnant women um, so that we can really, let's say, help her from a medical perspective. And then over the last months, and that is something that we are still doing, is to think and to make sure that it doesn't feel like a medical product that we are having here. It's really, let's say it feels like a lifestyle app, but it really, and, and it adds a lot of, of medical value during pregnancy. Well, now we are, we are we're almost there, still in the beta phase, testing with a lot of pregnant women in the US, of course, and okay. also in Europe, making sure that our product really is what we want to have. And then there will be a launch probably in two or three years. Some yeah, at some point around this time. Awesome. You know, I, I keyed in on you were saying like uh, a lifestyle pregnancy app. I don't think I've ever heard that term before. Like, like what does that mean overall? Because I think maybe like mm. when I thought I saw fetal life, I'm thinking like, okay, is this like about conception? Is this about like, you know, because so many uh, women are trying to get pregnant and sometimes have difficulty with it. So I was thinking kind of that, but it sounds like it's, more encompassing of like during pregnancy and the lifestyle. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yes, you are absolutely right. So we are really addressing the, the pregnant women during pregnancy. Um, and I, I totally agree with you. There are many women who have problems to even yeah, conceive, but actually also during pregnancy, I mean, about 30% of pregnant women have some sort of complications. Yeah. Like often it's just mild complications, but they, they all have the problems and they want to know how to deal with it, right? And all of them, um, like 100% of the pregnant women, of course, want to make sure that there's no serious complication. Um, and what do I mean by lifestyle? Um, at the moment, we have, of course, a lot of pregnancy apps. Um, they partially focus really on say, the shopping elements during pregnancy to make sure that pregnant women get what they want in terms of shopping elements, products, and so on, um, which is definitely right. And so there's definitely a reason for these apps to, to exist. Um, but um, there are just a few apps which focus on the medical elements <clears throat> and those which do, um, from my perspective, don't really cover what is necessary to really add value and help to prevent complications. And um, what we do here is um, we, let's say, we, under we explain the to the pregnant woman um, what she should know to understand what, for example, what to eat during pregnancy, how to behave, how to change also the, the lifestyle to, for example, also take care when she does some sports, but also to do some sports and all this um, and help her to basically yeah, 
make sure that there's no complication coming up at all, right? And if there's something coming up, we take the next step and we, the, we, we understand the symptoms and show to the user if there is a specific, say, health condition. And this is a medical element in our app. So what I just explained was a lifestyle with respect to sports and food. And then as soon as, as soon as there is something, we let her know and we are there. We can tell her, you know, you, for example, have some first signs of um, gestational diabetes. This, this is mm. what it means. This is what you can do. Or we have seen you, have, you are developing some high blood pressure. Um, make sure that you change uh, maybe your behavior right now. That might already be enough to make sure that you don't maybe get some gestational hypertension. But if you have hypertension, we can also be there for you. We can help you to measure your blood pressure. We can help you to give you the information that you need. And also we help you to understand what your doctor is actually doing. So we tell the pregnant women, you know, you have some, some hypertension right now. So some high blood pressure. Um, that is what your doctor should do. He or she should conduct these examinations maybe. Um, and this basically is really essential because what we understood um, from many discussions with pregnant women is um, they often don't really feel the driver's seat anymore. Like um, the caregivers of know, of course, they know what they do, um, but um, yeah, without having the knowledge as a, as a pregnant woman, you can never be sure if it's like the right thing, you know, and we really want to help in this regard. So is it, is it like there's basically like real-time information being fed from the app to you guys or? The exactly like that. That's it. It's fascinating. What, what are the privacy concerns of that for, let's say, somebody who's interested in that? They're like, wow, they're getting my information. How does that come into play? Mm -hmm. Privacy is a super important topic. I mean, as, as soon as you start about speaking, speaking about health, health data, it's very essential to put this as a first priority. And that is what we did. So first thing we made sure right from the beginning, when we started to work on the, let's say, IT components of our solution, we had to look at all the privacy regulations. We made sure that we are HIPAA compliant, for example. Data is always only on HIPAA compliant servers. Data is always encrypted. No one can access the data. Um, so also the, the data which is transferred from the app to our servers, for example, is always encrypted. So there's no way that someone can access it. This is really essential to us that also the user understands that, that we are not here to collect their data. We are there to help them to um, yeah, have a happy and healthy pregnancy. And that's the value that we want to create. That's the value where we also, of course, at some point in time, want to generate our income from, not yeah. from selling any data or something. Sure. And that's a big thing because people are always, I think now, so concerned that tech companies or organizations are taking people's data and selling it to other organizations or using it in ways they're just not aware of what that information is. And that is a big problem. That is really a big problem because I think um, most people have already understood what value digital solutions can, can bring. But at these days, or in these days, so many people are losing trust in these solutions. Yes. Um, and this is, a big problem because it can really solve a lot of problems on the one hand. On the other hand, we people don't trust it and don't really use the solutions which are out there because of yeah, what happened in the last years, you know? Yeah, and it's almost like an inflection point in some way of like people like technology and they you know, wanted to make their lives easier, but also don't want to be handled in a way where they're like, well, I don't know what you're doing with my information. Like, where is this yeah. going? And I would think with pregnancy, that would especially be very serious 
in terms of how that's perceived and how a woman would feel about providing real, I didn't know it was real time information. Like, like, so you would like contact the person, like if you saw something changing, like was it like a notification? Mm, yeah, I, I can explain you how it works from yeah. say, user behavior perspective. So yes. um, our, our app um, gets, let's say the information by many ways. On the one hand, we ask the user, of course. So it uh, starts with simple questions. We ask her, how do you feel? What did you do? But you also ask her, um, what did your caregiver do? Um, did your caregiver conduct specific tests, for example? What were the results of the test? Because our very intelligent algorithms understand this data and can make some sense out of this and can tell the pregnant woman then if there's any potential health risk and so on. Um, and then the second way is the user can um, use our app to also track, for example, her blood pressure, her weight, her glucose, also fetal kicks. Um, and this is, a, let's say, the real-time data aspect mm -hmm. um, which you just mentioned. And you can do this by connecting with digital devices. Um, we have partnerships with um, two main providers, um, Brithings and Jarmin. They are developing clinically validated devices and they're directly integrated into our app. And then the user can yeah, measure, for example, blood pressure and directly see the results in the app. That's incredible. I was going to wonder, I'm like, how are you getting that information <laughs> you know, for that? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty incredible. I mean, do you see this as something that a lot of pregnant women would have, women will have a huge amount of interest in, in terms of like, what, what's the response been so far? Like in, in pregnant women you've talked to about this. Yeah. The, I mean, interest is very high. So pregnant yeah. women, of course, have interest in making sure that there is no complication during pre mm -hmm. their pregnancy. Um, and also how we have developed the product. People are very happy with it. Um, it is always um, like this, that, people don't want to change their behavior in some way. So mm -hmm. you don't want to, for example, now take the blood pressure cuff and measure your blood pressure. It would be much more convenient to just have it there, you know, having sure. the results without doing anything. Um, and that is where we want to get. And that is, I think, something that uh, all digital health um, their product producers want to have, that the user doesn't have to do something to get her or his health measured. Um, so we are already working on some solutions, which, for example, allow you to just, you know, have a look at your phone and using the camera of your phone, it will directly measure, for example, your blood pressure and also your ox oxygen in the blood and also your heart rate. Crazy. And if we have, if we have implemented this in our product, it would immediately, you know, reduce um, yeah, the discomfort that we cause. Wow. I mean, that your camera looking at you and providing that's like the future. That's like futuristic. That's incredible. I don't even know how that would even work. But like, wow, that's insane. I feel like you're trying to you're trying to basically cut out steps for people. I was like, people are like, I don't want to say people are lazy, but they don't like to do a bunch of stuff. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, which is nice, which is totally yeah. fine. I mean, honestly, convenience, right? Why? Yes. Why, why do I want, why, or why should I actually want to do something that is just not adding any value for me? I mean, I, yeah. I don't like to measure my blood pressure. I want to have the result of the blood pressure. Right. Course, but not like to measure my blood pressure. So I think that's definitely where we are going. That is something that we try to do. Um, but it is something that I think some people cannot even imagine of what it will look like in 10, 20 years. Yeah. Just speaking about autonomous cars, imagine a Tesla. I mean, let's say you, you don't have to, to drive yourself anymore. 
Yeah. And there's everywhere cameras. They can they can actually track your health and tell you how you feel before you even know it. That's crazy. Actually, I have a Tesla, a Model 3, and I think about nice. all the dormant technology in there and the software updates and how it's just going to keep getting better. And now I think about that in health because um, early in my fitness career, there was a lot of stuff about like mm -hmm. uh, wearable technology, like wearable stuff. And I, my thing was always like, okay, there's a lot of information, but like the average person doesn't know what to do with that information. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you're getting somebody's sleep information. You're getting their steps. I mean, how does that change your behavior? But it seems like you're saying there needs to be accountability with like somebody contacting you or telling you kind of a two-way communication. That's what it seems like. Yes, exactly. And you know, because you just mentioned that you had the health trackers, the, the good thing in one way is most most people are healthy, right? Um, so when you track your health, it gets some. It, it's quite boring after some time. I mean, <laughs> what 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 happens there? <laughs> um, and and actually, I mean, it's a good thing that your data is quite boring. And yeah. on the other hand, you you stop tracking it, and at some point in time, there is something which is not boring anymore, which means that it's not healthy anymore. Yeah. Um, but you don't know it because you already stopped doing it. Um, well, and I think um, in the future, and that will basically yeah, be a paradigm shift when it comes to healthcare is that um, we will have the technology to track our health without actively doing something for this. That means to give you the, again, the example of the car where, you know, how, how many minutes or hours per day do you sit in your car? Imagine that in this, let's say one hour, the car would actually measure your blood pressure, your heartbeat, your oxygen level, your glucose, your weight, you know, it with it, I mean, definitely there's a data concern, but let's, let's keep this away for a moment. Yeah. Just from a medical perspective, it is so valuable and the car will know quite early on if there's something not normal with you, it can warn you. And the same will happen maybe also in your house. So wherever yeah. you are. It was, I was listening to something from Elon Musk about Tesla. This relates to this, I think, is that at some point he was saying in the future, the, that the greatest error of the car would be the human error, yeah. not the car's error. And it seems similar with something like this is that your input will be the greatest error in your health and you trying exactly. to do stuff versus having, let's say this app and the app just boom, you look at it, tells you everything, you know, it just sounds like it's just taking away a lot of steps. Like we're like getting rid of human involvement of humans <laughs> checking their health, like having to do the actual manual work for like statistics, there's vital signs and things of that nature. You know, Darian, you really mentioned a very important point here because that is another important aspect that um, whenever you involve a human in this context, not always, in this context, um, it's definitely um, probably a reason for some error, right? right? So when you ask the person to measure her blood pressure or to tell you how she feels it's always subjective or there is some potential right. for an error right and you could do it without her it's more convenient for her and less potential for error so that is what we try to do and that is what everyone tries to do but we are very convenient and very very convinced that um yeah have a good solution here which really brings some some value to the pregnant woman is there uh just on the other side is there have you thought of any downsides to this technology with fetal life and, or, you know, just thinking about what do we yeah. need to protect against or what are some potential things that people may not 
think are favorable about it. Exactly right. This is something that is, I think, a main concern for us, a main concern for everyone who gives some result to, for example, in this case, a pregnant woman without having a human really having a look at it. Because, I mean, all of us know machines cannot replace human, especially when it comes to this type of interaction. Yeah. Let's say there is something um, that is not, you know, healthy in any way for the pregnancy. Having a doctor explaining to the pregnant woman, telling her what this actually means, and also validating. Maybe there is a mismeasurement, you know. Maybe there is something going wrong. Why should I, con like in some way, make the, the pregnant woman concerned because of some mis mismeasurements, you know? Yeah. And this is something where we really take care of quite a lot. And this is something that we quite right now test in our beta phase to make sure that we have a uh, that you feel very comfortable with um, all the information we give to the pregnant woman, and we don't tell something that might concern her more and actually harm more than mm. any adding any 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 benefit. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned earlier about like algorithms, which is a hot topic amongst I mean, documentaries, articles. What is the nature of your algorithm? And you mentioned about how that a little bit how that works can you explain a little bit further absolutely yeah i think to explain this to you in detail i also have to give a bit more information on okay. what our algorithm is based on so we really use um let's say medicine that is known by all um reputable institutions like acorc u.s preventative service task force centers of disease and control and prevention and um, so we took these um, very well-known guidelines, and we didn't change it in any way. So what we are doing here is not, let's say, clinical studies we conduct ourselves and bring the results to the user. That is not the case at all. Um, and how our algorithm works, um, in the first place, in the medicine that we are having a look here, at here, it is um, relatively easy in some contexts to detect potential risk. To give you again, again the example of a blood pressure measurement, when your blood pressure is too high, it is just too high, you know? And there's a cut off value, which is defined as being too high blood pressure. And our apps basically, our app detects this and tells it to the pregnant woman. So there is no, let's say, um, intelligence in this way added by our system. The intelligent, intelligence comes into place when we have different, let's say, symptoms um, in combination. So what is already known in um, latest medicine is that some symptoms in combination can actually also indicate some complication. Um, and the problem here is there is no solution out there, no app out there, which tells you, oh, you have this symptom and you have this symptom. You should know actually this in combination is an indicator for this, you know? And, and this is something where our algorithms understand the, let's say the interdependencies. What we don't do is um, to, let's say we, we don't have any algorithms which have created some knowledge themselves mm. and are using this knowledge because we are really aware that this will immediately go into a direction where we cannot be 100% sure that the, that, the, that the information we provide to the user is always validated. Right. Because yeah. there's, there's like a level of sometimes, you know, the algorithm is created and be kind of creates this black box where even the creators don't know exactly. what's happening. <laughs> at some point it's like on the run you yeah. know so i think it's a very valid topic and discussion because i think people are more aware of it now 
They're more aware they of algorithms, you know, whereas before people were like, I don't know, why am I getting this ad about this place <laughs> I was just talking about, you know? I think you're absolutely right. People are more aware of it. Um, but I, I still think that there is this problem out there um, that there are the algorithms um, which are not 100% validated. In my opinion is um, there should be some quality check yeah. before people, let's say, get the results of the algorithms, you know, because as you said, it, it's, it's a black box, you know. Yeah. And most of the times it works very well, but sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, and no one really can understand what happens there. And I mean, there are some, some, some stories where we all knew or yeah. Yeah, saw basically what happened. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, what's the future of this? I mean, I know you're in beta, but maybe there's been some discussions about pregnancy and women in the future. Where, where do you see this leading to? Like how advanced will this become eventually? Yeah, and I think there we have to speak about healthcare in general. So yeah, that's um, true. I think in general, at the moment, the big problem we have in healthcare, maybe in the US or in Europe is we treat people when they get sick. Yes. Which is, I mean, it's, it's frankly spoken, it's the worst you can do, right? Because there's already something that happened and now you try to somehow cure it. But what is the point for this if you can actually prevent it in the first place? Yeah. Um, and this is where, where healthcare will go. And this is also where, where pregnancy care will go. Um, our solution, we think, can be really a solution for helping to have less complications. Um, at some point in time, we also think there might be definitely benefit to make the user's data. I really want to emphasize it's the user's data. It's not the data that we collect. It's the user's data to make this data available to, for example, their personal healthcare provider to make sure that whatever happened is directly you know, provided to the personal healthcare provider. And what will this mean? That means the users maybe don't have to go to the healthcare provider so often because what does the healthcare provider do in most of the cases in pregnancy? She or he has a look and says, um, well, for me, it looks quite, quite good. I think you, everything is running quite well, mm -hmm. so you can go home again. So <laughs> you went there for maybe one hour. You sit in the waiting room for one hour. You met the person for 10 minutes, max maybe 10 minutes, and then she, you go home again. And um, I think in this situation, it might be beneficial for, for everyone that the healthcare provider can focus on the, on the people who are really sick in some way. And um, the, the person who is not sick can stay at home and can just you know ship the data to the to the healthcare provider. She can have a look at it and say, yeah, everything is fine. Yeah, and sounds is, like convenience again, you know. Super convenient, but also cost, right? So mm -hmm. it's definitely a cost point. Um, and this is something I think all healthcare systems globally, but also especially in in the US and in Europe, um, more and more have to focus on how we can reduce the cost because costs are really going up and up and up. People cannot pay for the health insurance anymore because medications get too expensive. Um, also, healthcare in general, it's just so expensive that some people even cannot go to the doctor anymore. I mean, um, that is one reason why we have so many complications. For example, in the US, that many pregnant women cannot afford anymore to go to the, to the, to the doctor or to yeah. the healthcare provider when they should. And when we have our solution or any solution which allows to reduce the cost, also, of course, increase the convenience and increase the quality. Um, it will be yeah, a benefit for, for the system, for the people, for the healthcare provider. So it will be definitely benefit. Do, I mean, do you see that in Europe that it's a similar preventive system? 
or not preventive, sorry, like reactive system for healthcare. I mean, I haven't been in Europe in a while, but I, mm. I know that there is, from an American point of view, a lot of people have this idea, whether they know it or not, that, mm. uh, you know, sometimes like European healthcare is better than American healthcare or vice. What's mm. the status that you're seeing currently? Are, are we living in similar systems? I think it's definitely not similar. It's, it's very different. Um, and um, I know the system quite well, at least in Germany and in Austria. Yeah. I'm also from a, from a medical household, so my parents are doctors, so I, I know quite in detail how it's working. My um, personal perspective, it, it is a little bit more preventative in Europe. In Europe. The, yeah. reason, the reason is that in the US, um, people quite often change their health insurance companies or health insurance plans, at least, you know. Um, the consequence is that the health insurance providers are not so interested to make sure that the people don't get sick in the first place because they will not benefit from it. One or two years later, when the person is not getting sick, she is maybe insured with a different company. So what, what, why do I benefit from this? Right. Doesn't make sense. This, this way of thinking doesn't make sense from a whole economic perspective, of course, because all of them should be interested in having very, like not many sick people. Um, in Europe, the system looks different. People are quite often actually insured with the same company for their entire life. So the company is very interested in investing into the health of the people to make sure that they don't get sick in the first place. Um, but I also want to say not everything is, is perfect in, from sure. this perspective in Europe because the European system is, let's say, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's public healthcare, right? So it's provided by the government in some way. Um, also the healthcare, Health insurance companies are in some way related to the government. Um, and the consequence is it takes very long until there's some, some innovation. We can already see that in the US, um, telemedicine is quite common. Yes. Um, people, people are, let's say, more open to some changes. Um, they also see um, much quicker the benefit of some, some, some changes because actually the, the patient herself or himself has to pay for it in some way, in some way right? So whenever there is something that will reduce the cost, she is very willing to accept it and to do it. In Europe, or at least in Germany, it is not like this, you know, because it's paid, it's paid by the government. Um, yeah. You are not really caring about the cost in this way. And if there is any innovation, it's not really, you're, you're not really incentivized to, yeah, to use it. So you say, well, I went to the doctor for my whole life. Why, why should I not do any telemedicine, right? Right, right, that's interesting. I mean, I think that's, it's just a good point to make because I think we often live in these silos of um, our lives and we, we are into one thing and we're like, this is how it is, but we don't really know how other places are operating. And I yeah. think with health, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Healthcare in America is a mess, man. It's like a huge mess. It's like, it's a crazy <laughs> mess. Nobody likes it. I think no matter where you land, everybody's upset about it. Like pretty much regard, like there's few things we agree on. Everybody's agreeing on that. <laughs> but I wonder how, like, if we have more statistics about, let's say somebody wakes up in the future and their home tells them, hey, you know, your blood pressure is 125 over 90 and you slept this mm -hmm. well at night. Will that actually cause behavior change for people just because they know that their home is smarter about how they are alive or their car? I think yes. I think yes, actually. I think at the moment things are changing. Um, I mean, we can see everywhere around the world that chronic diseases, especially diabetes, especially hypertension, yeah. 
are getting more frequent, right? Um, and it cannot go on like this. And we can also see maybe even COVID contributed in some way this in some positive way that people are more aware that they can actually go outside, that they can actually do something for themselves. I mean, I have so many friends who said, due to COVID, I started to cook myself. I started to yeah. actually, yeah, have some some nice healthy food um, that I can create myself. Or, and I think, um, yeah, this is changing. And when I, I mean, it's a, it's a younger generation, definitely. I think people um, who maybe are, let's say, are confronted with all these abilities in terms of, um, consumption of in terms of maybe also unhealthy food um right from the beginning of their life they also get trained to say no in some way to actually yeah actively decide against some things and for example take care of their, of their own body do some sports if they want to so i think yes i think it really helps to 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 change our behavior and actually people are willing to change their behavior because people understood it is necessary and well, I mean, I personally, I'm a big, um, I mean, I, I really believe that um, in the coming decades, a lot of things will change. It starts with climate change. It starts with behavior. What is related to this? People really have to become more aware of the resources yeah. they consume. And also people have to become more aware of um, yeah, what we as human actually need. Because all this, let's say, media consumption, all this, yeah. let's say, all this combined is really not something that makes us at least not alone something that makes us happy you know yeah actually i i have a very similar point of view about that i i was i've had a i've had a lot of technology people on my podcast over the years and i think there's a just kind of a fatigue related mm -hmm. to it you know people talk about zoom fatigue and all this stuff but i think that started well before covid yeah i think people are just very unhappy you know watching video after video scrolling they may, may, they may do it, but I don't think it makes them happy for that. And, yeah. and there's actually a lot of research in indicating that the world is getting, in a strange way, it's probably the best time to be alive. It doesn't sound, I mean, we're during this crazy pandemic time, but factually, uh, speaking of like um, pregnancy, like women are having less children, there's less consumption. You know, there's actually less violence. I know somebody may watch this and go, there's no way that's true. I'm like, check the data. It's actually true. There's way less really? violence now than there's ever been, ever. Really? I didn't, yes. I wouldn't have expected Way that. less violence. It's crazy. There's there's way less uh, of a, a lot of issues that, because I think we're just listening to the news. Yeah. The news tells you everything's terrible. But in Very reality, it's, it's actually not true. The, the violence... You know, there's certain levels of violence that may be up, but overall, it's it's actually way down. And there's some great documentaries about that, like the violence paradox, how people have become mm -hmm. less violent for mm -hmm. that. But do you would never know that by watching TV. You would no, never know that. You would think the world's <laughs> on fire. People are just killing each other left and right. It's not yes. true, actually. It's really not true. Yeah. Very there's a good book on this, Julian, called Factfulness. Okay. It's a really good book. Uh, I think the gentleman's from like Finland or Norway, you know, one of those countries. Yeah. And that's all he does is do this information about facts about the world from like the 1800s on to now. It's I, I highly recommend it. It's amazing. It's I have like, to read no, it. What's what's the name again? Please repeat it. Fact factfulness. Interesting. And apparently, nice. they actually in most a lot of colleges make it required reading for students now. 
because we have such a problem with digital literacy all over Mm. the world because people are just reading headlines and weird stuff. Yeah. And they're just, you know, they're not even reading articles. They're just looking at a headline going, see, all this stuff's happening. But in reality, it's really not true uh, for that. So I think it's good to like talk to people and understand, you know, what's, what's happening. You know, because you'll see, you watch a show on TV and there's somebody has like 10 kids. They go, oh man, is all these kids like, no, that's an outlier. That's an mm-hmm. outlier. And the, the mm-hmm. truth is that back in the 1800s up to like 1950s, women were having like six kids on average in the world. Mm-hmm. Now it's mm-hmm. down to like two, 2.5 yeah. type of thing. Very true. So the whole population, the, the earth is, we need to control population. It's being controlled. It's actually going yeah. down. but people don't know that information they think oh no it's just you know they're not taking the time so i feel like health and behavior change is fascinating because the united states we got a real issue with obesity and and people being overweight it's like crazy and it feels like it's going up forever but will it Mm. and will these that's why i asked about the behavior change will these things Mm. actually lead to behavior change you know you think they will you know I think they will. I think they will. And I also think, um, yeah, as I said, people have understood it. I think also um, companies have understood it, you know, mm. um, those which which provide all these things that we consume, they also understood that it's not value creation that you just sell things to someone, mm. you know, you really have to sell something that in some way adds some value, really adds value. Yeah. And I think that really changes a lot. Um, I mean, I don't want to say that this is something that changes in a few years. It really take, will take some time. Yeah. Um, but I'm very sure that it will because it has to. Hmm. Cannot continue uh, the way we did it for the last, let's say, decades, fifty, yeah. fifty years, for example. Because we we see where it leads us. I mean, it's definitely interesting what you say, and I fully believe what you say that um, there is less violence, for example, hmm. um, and also, I mean, there is definitely many good things that happened over the last decades. But but unfortunately, there's also a few things that uh, are not going to the right direction. And clearly. this is something you can, you can change. In the U.S., there's clearly an uptick in mass shootings. I mean, this is not mm. a, a large thing in the United States many years ago. But clearly, it has become a fairly regular thing at this point. And so that sparks. And I think the, the hard thing about living is if you get enough bad stuff, people at some point, it's like, well, it's like the market. The stock market just can't go up, 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 and never have anything happen. That's crazy. And so if you keep having something happening, something has to give at some point. So, you know, I kind of think about what you're with pregnancy and women, like we're seeing more and more people are having a harder time getting pregnant, more women. That's like a trend. It's happening. If you know, if you look at a lot of that, what is that related to? How can that problem be solved? Because it seems like it's that's going up. Mm. And there's some really interesting data related to why research, why women are having more problems getting pregnant. And I'm not sure if you checked into that stuff, but it's kind of interesting research. It's 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 also related to men too, like and decreasing <laughs> yeah, sperm, you know, exactly. viable sperm populations. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you you che- I'm sure you guys check in all this stuff, you know, like. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert. Uh, I mean, definitely I'm an yeah. expert at all because I'm not, a, let's say, a medical expert. Sure. But I checked all, all of this um, and I fully agree with what you say, right? And we can see everywhere, especially in, in let's say, in the Western Europe, that people are getting children much later, right? When they're yes. over the yeah. 30s or in the 30s, um, which is definitely one reason for having yeah. problems. Then as you as you just said it, just some, yeah, somehow decrease in, in sperm quality. Maybe. Yes. Um, definitely an issue also um like um, eggs in the, in the women which are definitely also let's say um not maybe in, in high quality as they were 50 years ago but and the question is why right um yeah is something very yeah. interesting and i i don't i think i'm really happy to discuss this topic because for me personally it's also a very interesting topic um but also this is something i just want to mention also why we have invented fetal life because um, we don't want to say that there's, um, for example, no problem with getting um, like a baby or with actually conceiving, but we say um, also when they actually get pregnant, the risk is still there, you know, yeah. being older and then ha having a baby or getting pregnant is definitely um, bringing some risk into your pregnancy. So you have to take more care, you have to understand the symptoms you have to take actions early on to make sure that if you already have difficulties to conceive, I mean, the last thing you want is then, of course, to also lose the baby at some point. And we really want to help here to the pregnant women. Yeah. Now, are there um, a lot of other companies doing what you're doing on the market currently? Um, there are many companies which um, do, for example, or have any pregnancy. Um, mm -hmm. As I described it at the beginning, they are more focusing on lifestyle components. Um, there is no app which is having something like we do to really track the health data to indicate potential symptoms, to indicate potential complications. Um, and that brings us more towards the healthcare provider sector, right? And there, of course, are the healthcare providers. There are the big clinics, um, Mayo Clinic and so on. Um, and they have understood that they have to go more towards preventative care. They also now start to offer something from home um, and so on. But the thing is, they focus on the existing patients. And we say, we want to bring this preventative care to everyone. We want to bring this preventative care to the patients who cannot afford the high quality care right now, who cannot afford the latest digital solutions which are provided by some clinics out there. So we really want to make sure that also the people who do not go to the doctor right now, because they don't have, for example, the good health, health insurance, that they can use our solution to at least um, in some way make sure that there is no, let's say, complication or to approach the caregiver before there is a serious complication. Yeah. It's actually wild stuff. Like it, you're talking about this, it reminds me of the movie Minority Report. I don't know if you've ever seen this. you ever seen that <laughs> yes, movie with Tom Cruise? I like really like it so much. It's a great movie where they are predicting <laughs> crimes is. before they happen. Yeah. I mean, it's a different thing, but like, the it's like predictive technology. Like you may have this issue. We're letting you know well, you might have this. And I don't know why it just feels so similar to me. Yes. And that sense is kind of like, is that where we're headed? Where it's like, hey, you may have this health issue or you may have problems during your pregnancy. I'm not saying you do, but these factors are telling us that there's this percentage probability that you need to be aware of this. It feels similar to me, just in a different plane, you know? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. The only thing, and this is our to, to keep the example of minority report, right? So 
um, I think I actually don't know the, the the name of the protagonist, but Tom, um, I think Tom Cruise actually is the guy who understands um, which is actually a real prediction and which is yes. not right. And he understands if there's any some, yeah, just, you know, some noise. And this is the main problem that all digital health um, solution providers have to somehow um, find a solution for. They need some, some sort of Tom Cruise, right, to yeah. understand what is noise and what is real. Know, what is real, really mm. indicating something. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, man. Who know we'd talk about Tom Cruise in this? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I don't know why that minority. I was like, this is Minority Report. It's just for like health. It's like predictive healthcare. Exactly. You know? Can you imagine that? Like, I mean, you take that to larger health conversations. Like, somebody is not in great condition, and the software says, "Hey, listen, you know, you have like ninety-five percent." probability of having diabetes or yeah. high blood pressure. Like, I just always think like, will that person do something about it? I know you believe that they, you know, that people, <laughs> it's just hard. Like I've, I've been in fitness forever and it's, behavior change is hard for people. Like they just, it is. sometimes you tell somebody stuff, Hey, you need to do better. And they're like, okay, oh, you need mm. to eat well, you need to eat better. All right. <laughs> they don't do it, yep. you know, like, but I think the accountability part that you guys are doing with the real time, I think that's the, that's the link. You got to have accountability. It can't just be data that get, comes to you and there's yeah. no accountability for the data. Absolutely. Yeah. That is definitely a key point. And also, um, yeah, just to say it one more time, um, the thing is when like, we all get told every day you need to do some more sports mm -hmm. don't eat this burger right now you know and he always says yeah yeah i, I know i, I should mm -hmm. do this but i just like it you know yeah. um and i think when we come to digital health solutions we should really make take care that we don't let's say tell the pregnant women or tell anyone all the time there's a 95 percent that you have this disease there's a 80 percent that you have this or 70 percent that you have this because what should I do with this information? I mean, yeah. there is some percentage that get this disease, but there's also some percentage that I maybe have an accident right, right now. So, right. <laughs> so they should only tell me something if I can really do something right now and if they are really sure yeah, that there is something. Wow. I mean, this turned into like a very interesting... See, that's why I don't, I don't plan stuff. I just go, it's going to go somewhere. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I don't know. It's just, I think often like movies predict future outcomes in different, I remember like I do this presentation on uh, past, present and digital future mm -hmm. technologies and its impact on fitness uh, work because I work in the kind of digital fitness realm. And I remember watching Back to the Future mm -hmm. and they had video conferencing on, especially in part two. And I was like, that's like, that's not even real life. Like that's the future. <laughs> People are gonna be talking to each other on screens in the future. You know what's wild? We're doing it right now. We're doing it literally right now. That was like 30 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. It's crazy. So it's where is crazy. health going? Where is health going? We're like, I get in my car and my I, on my screen on my Tesla, it tells me all of my vital statistics and stuff. I don't know, like, I mean. I say it will be the case, but I assume no one knows. Maybe Tom Cruise knows. Maybe Tom Cruise knows. I don't know. That may be a shaky thing. <laughs> Julian, this has been an awesome time. Man. I really um, have enjoyed speaking with you. Um, it's been awesome.
I really enjoyed it too, Darren. Really, really nice, really nice podcast. Thanks so much. Uh, for having thank me. you so much. And uh, I will be in touch with you. Great. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.